Hi, Neil Osborne here and welcome to the GetTS podcast where I teach, coach, consult and speak on selling in the hair, beauty and body industries. And today I have a special treat for you. And every time you hear this particular introduction, you're going to know that you're in for a treat. The treat is you don't have to listen to me today. I've been fortunate enough to connect with a couple of very high-end salon owners, people who own some premium businesses. And what I've discovered is they've got some very interesting observations about you and the way that they like to interact with salespeople. There's some absolute pearls, so sit back. They're gonna run a little bit longer than usual, but I'd have to say there's some absolute gold in there. I hope you enjoy. Well, hi there, everyone. Welcome. This is Neil Osborne here. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. And you are in for an absolute treat today. I have online Dario from Public Salon in Darlinghurst and also from DCI Education. And this is a guy that, well, he's going to shock you. I've got a lot of respect for Dario and he's built quite a reputation. So let's make him welcome. And good morning, Dario. How are you? Morning, Neil. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Lovely to have you and absolute delight to see you. For the listeners, we caught up briefly only last week and it's been a while since we see each other and, yeah, rumour has it, we go back a little way. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I mean, 1994, I think it was, or 95. Yeah. Wow. We're both a lot younger then. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Neil, you changed my career. I mean, I'm really grateful how a sliding doors moment when you had the opportunity to launch TG in Australia, approached the salon I was working at and asked if I'd be part of this TG creative team to launch TG in Australia. Ultimately, that then led me to working for Tony Guy and led me down this whole education path that I was very much attracted to from the beginning. I have all the time in the world for you, my friend. Lovely, Daria. And likewise, you have built such an enormous reputation and you continue to impress the stories and the feedback I hear from an industry about what you put back at the moment is truly respectful. It's really lovely. I acknowledge that, mate. Tell us a little bit about where you are at the moment. So your salon's at Darlinghurst. Just give us a couple of pointers for those that are listening by way of reference. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so this is my 30th year in hairdressing and we really wanted to change it up this year. And so now we've just completed renovating the salon and the salon's called Public. It used to be my name. For any young hairdressers out there, I would never, ever endorse your own name on the business. (laughs) Okay, that's an interesting one. Expand on that a bit for me. Why is that, In terms of the identity of the business, I just found that, you know, people would come into our business and pretty much demand that, you know, I be part of their process and mm-hmm. or or just in terms of trying to get my attention in the business. And, right. and I just felt that I was pulling away from what I was trying to aim to do in terms of a collective approach with clients. Okay. Yeah. So we've now changed the whole concept to public salon. Hmm. We're in a building called Republic in Darlinghurst okay. and been there for 20 years. And we really wanted to keep the whole shared space thing. We wanted to create this environment where it's a shared space. So it's a really premium space for hairdressers to share their clientele in the space. And I wanted a very private studio, again, going back to my roots, one-on-one experience with clients. So it looks amazing. really happy. We've just finished it. So that's the salon part. The teaching part's pretty hectic. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you've got a pretty full-on uh, calendar there. Yeah, yeah. So we teach about 160 hairdressers nationally a month, face-to-face as well as we have our online business. So we're teaching probably double that online. And then, you know, for us in terms of our reach, 
We're teaching the best hairdressers in Brisbane, Canberra, Melbourne, Perth, and in beautiful Sydney, as well as Newcastle. And that's something we've grown over time, relationships. As I mentioned in our chat recently, we're up to like our fourth generation. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I really value that because my relationships with people like Sandy Chong and people that I've grown up with in hairdressing mean a lot to me. And my community means a lot because I see many areas of our industry dying away in terms of things like the integrity and people thinking that the way to be cool or get attention is to do something quite almost vulgar or I remember years ago, a pivotal moment was watching a young hairdresser say to me, I'm never going to be an educator because I don't have tattoos, you know? And I was like, <laughs> and I just laughed and not laughed at them, but I just, wow, that's your perception of cool. And for me, I've always put cool as in content. And I put a lot of work in trying to get the right switch for the right audience. And I like going deeper with people, finding out the why is it going to motivate someone and how easy can we make it to make it yeah. memorable. Well, that's, that's where we help people make shifts, isn't it? Yeah, I really love that. Yeah, I mean, both you and I have always shared that elevation, elevating the industry. And I suppose my intention is to change the perception of hairdressing through education about the invisible problem they're not aware of, and that's their bone structure and their face and how we can reproportionalize it and enhance it without, you know, within 45 minutes. I tend to call the haircut experience we're a weight loss center and we're selling happiness. Incredible analogy. I listened to your podcast the other day and I really loved how you dive into the sculpture of the face rather than simply just looking at the hair. It's just really brought a much more holistic view to that client experience, yeah? Thank you for picking up on that because that holistic is really the key element of where we focus on bringing it all together. Mm-hmm. I just find that when people just talk about hair, it, there's no connection to the client yep. other than it's on my head. I really like to talk to the heart, talk to the person, and change lives. I mean, the intention every day that we go into work is to how many hearts are we going to touch today? How many lives are we going to change in terms of self-belief, self-confidence? I was very blessed. I've met along my way some really great, talented people that I met this cosmetic surgeon that taught me how to rebalance the face and a whole lot of tools in terms of what the challenges are in the cosmetic surgeon or the cosmetic industry. Yes. And, and really, there's some so many similarities in hairdressing. So I love yeah, rebalancing yeah. the face. I couldn't agree with you more. Even to the point where you were saying during on your podcast there, your consultation, you take a side view. I mean, that's just really unique. I mean, it's a view that a client would not normally see. Yeah. And one of the things that we take a photograph from the front of the side and the back within our iPad, and we're launching something at Hair Expo, which I'll happily share with you, is that we're also going into a retouching app with the client when we're sitting down with them and pushing in the areas that, she wants to slim within her face. And that's what hairdressing does. But for younger ones out there, layering is a word that I don't advocate, I don't use anymore, because layering is an old terminology that creates an old emotion. People feel like it's old, it's a bit like perming. <laughs> so it's a word that really puts you in a corner. So what we do is we talk about compression, we talk about the belt of the haircut, where we want to see the, the maximum slimming. So really what we do is with the app is we push in the areas to show her with her picture, her face, on the areas that we can change today and be sustainable. It's amazing, you know, because we're showing her photos of her and when she asks for a photo, shows me a photo of someone else, I always separate by explaining the person you've showed me has got a heart face shape and you've got a round face. So beautiful, yeah. We're already not talking the same. And therefore, honesty lies with the evidence of what you've got in front of you. And I try and teach a lot of younger ones to understand that 
They've got to really understand bone structure. They've got to understand face shapes. And when they understand this, then it's a bit like product knowledge, you know? I mean, you have so much power when you know what you're talking about. Mm. And that confidence, it's something that clients really buy, isn't it, and really love. It's that confidence, not that hesitation. Yeah, and one of the tips I was given early on in my career, again, I'm very blessed. I attract a really great clientele, and, and I see them as my teachers, is that your intention drives your attention. Okay. And, and if yeah. your intention is to really help and change that person's life in terms of self-confidence today, not you know when you feel like it, the attention is driven to the fact that you know, you've got that person's undivided attention because mm-hmm. they can feel your intention. And your attention yeah. is them. But I think when people's focus is sales, people can feel the intention and the attention is really focused, focused on really about dollars versus value. It's about a transaction rather than an emotion. Yeah. 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 I love value. For me, it's all about giving value and adding value. I mean, that's one thing that you've been incredibly successful at is working to a very premium positioning and pricing structure. I mean, if there was something that you would say that today your business and yourself are most well known for in the industry, what would be that if you were to try to encapsulate that into something brief? I think for me, it's hard. From my perception, one thing we've always and I hope it comes through, is that integrity for me, relationships, long-term relationships, and and really underpinned by integrity because for us, it's a bit like, you know, you could have a staff meeting and perhaps you're having a quiet week and you have clients coming in and you've only got a certain amount of products left on the shelf. Perhaps they're the wrong products for that client, but you have targets to hit or pressures that you've got to meet. And that's really where integrity lies. You know, do I sell this product, even though it's probably the wrong product for this client, or do I inspire this client and excite her to come back next week and pick it up from me versus buying it online? Yeah. And they're those markers. And simply things like messaging your client a week after you've done her hair with a picture of the end result saying it was amazing connecting with you. And I love expensive things. And I like to treat people that they're up. One of the analogies, again, is that Everyone likes to fly first class and everyone likes to fly business. No one likes to fly economy. Mm -hmm. So really looking at when we're talking to them, we're talking to them from a first class point of view in terms of mindset and a real growth mindset and then elevating them up to the conversation versus Mm -hmm. us coming down to their state of mind or consciousness. And perhaps they're coming in with a heavy unconscious approach when they walk into the salon. To go back to your question, I just think everything is about integrity. The more I talk with you about this, I'm reflecting on a recent trip I just did, but a lot of the young girls are so influenced by the immediacy and the shallowness of social media today. Yes. And I think that is also really flowing through the way we communicate in the community. So when there's true integrity brought to the conversation, people yearn for that and they really connect with it versus this very shallow world that we seem to live in 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 a very busy day, you know. Absolutely. It's fewer questions but with more meaning. And the questions that we tend to ask people, particularly if they're an alpha personality and they're really trying to dominate. And for me, for those young ones listening, you know, one of the things when you find yourself getting insecure, it's just purely because you're around someone that's trying to dominate you in that conversation or interaction. And so therefore I come back to the script of asking really amazing questions. Simply like, are you trying to look approachable or do you want to look like the boss in yeah. terms of the aesthetic of the appearance of the end result? Mm-hmm. And so they're deeper questions. So they really throw people. And when you ask a deep question, you get a really deep answer. And, and that 
for me is the basis of a long-term relationship yes. versus a transactional experience where it's master-slave, where the master will ask us yep. to do something and the slave will say yes. And, mm. and then the client walks out and saying to herself, you're just like every other hairdresser. And That's it. Probably because I think there's an extra skill that we just need to remind everybody of at this point, and you have really mastered this skill, and that is that I observe a lot of people listen with the intent to interrupt. In other words, they listen with the intent to put their point of view forward, where when I have conversations with you today and when I observe you today, Dario, you really listen with the intent to understand. Yes. And I think that's a massive difference. And I think that's what people buy today, that integrity and that genuineness which comes across, that genuine curiosity that you have to really get to learn and understand that person that you're sitting talking to. Yes. And thank you for picking up on that because for us, it's long term. And I think when people talk about their clientele or perhaps challenging people, Mm -hmm. we're part of that problem. And I find that the rebellious nature in people is ultimately comes down to not being understood and Mm -hmm not being heard and it often comes down to money where people have a perception of what they're going to get mm-hmm. and the hairdresser has been unconscious and promised in the client's mind mm-hmm. that what they're going to get in that photo is going to be a reality and I really love listening and also I spend a lot of time studying body language okay. I listen to tone and there's so many things that come together that, mm-hmm. and that takes time to learn like I just finished on the weekend our short hair cutting course and mm-hmm. I had them on this one haircut for four hours and that's how I teach because I want to teach them once and they'll get it for life and I find that people when you meet them will in particularly hairdressers and I just find that a lot of us are very very creative people and I just find that we go into things with the right intention and heart emotion but ultimately we're doing a lot of nothing and I try to peel it back to really great sustainable content that's going to really stop your client when you have the opportunity to talk, to really listen because she feels that it's about her. Because I used to be a style transfer hairdresser. A style transfer hairdresser is transactional and it's about numbers and it's about getting through the day and survival. Where for us, I'll do fewer clients now. Our attention rate's up at around 96%. And that for me is very important because it's about long-term relationship. I call it a dinner party experience. People coming with you, you know, to join you for 45 minutes to an hour every eight weeks or color they're spending three to four hours with you i get told firsthand situations not only by clients but also by hairdressers from both ends from the client being disruptive to the hairdresser not listening yeah big one is the lack of listening because that telegraphs to a client a lack of respect and that's where the whole thing just starts to diminish which is what i love about what you do talking about listening can we maybe segue across to another subject that we wanted to have a bit of a chat about if that's okay one of the things as you'd appreciate my life is well yours has been very much on the floor mine's been very much on the product company side of things and I'm a big believer Dario that a lot of product companies can have a far greater contribution to not only our industry as a whole but also to businesses and also helping salon owners in particular progress in whatever way that is And as we've been discussing, I think the successful journey in our industry today is to to give back. Humility is the new black, I think, as someone once said, a very wise person a little while ago. But also, too, a lot of companies come to our industry wanting just to take versus, which is that transactional hairdresser, to draw the analogy, where 
you know, my philosophy and, and the philosophy I like to work with, with companies is to, well, let's work out how we can give and how we can support successful salon owners to make the industry stronger and stronger. And I know through your previous years, when you had a product yourself, you crossed the chasm and come on to the other side of the world. And you had some fantastic experiences there. And one of the things I wanted to dive into today, if we could, is how uh, reps can contribute better and how they can have a great contribution, and especially to the premium end of our industry, um, which is very much the pinnacle where you live. What's some of the experiences that you've had over the years? I mean, you've been in the sales role yourself, traveling around Europe. Share with us some of the experiences you had there. There's some great things I think everyone can pick up on. Thank you. And it really is interesting. You know, when I started hairdressing, I worked in a salon that charged $13.95 for a haircut. You know, and it was $17.95 with the blow dry. That was just the cut. <laughs> that was in 1989. And, you know, I had an amazing, amazing apprenticeship there, mm-hmm. uh, which is where I met yourself. And then up to now, we charge anywhere between $275 for a haircut to $550 for a haircut. You know, there's a lot of smoking mirrors out there in terms of perception and how people like to perceive themselves and ego, particularly in A or premium salons. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I believe it always comes down to relationships and really getting to understand the business and the people in it. And so just drawing from experiences, as you said, I was very fortunate. I've done a lot of traveling, launching products overseas, but particularly when we had our own. And I worked from the northern England down to the south and I was accompanied by a sales rep mm-hmm. and I'd have a sales rep every few days and that, that had pre-booking appointments with the best salons, premium salons in every area. But there was one area where every two days I had a different rep pick me up. She said, oh, look, this one salon, I would love to take you there, but there is no way. I've really tried. They don't want to see you. They don't want to see me. I don't know who you are. And she goes, look, I've really tried my best. She was like, we're not going there. And I said, look, just take me there. I'm really curious. And I'm curious by nature. So she took me to the salon and it was a church. Mm-hmm. It's a salon called The Chapel. Okay. Which I highly recommend if you ever go to the UK, anyone listening, they've got three or four salons. Their concept is really special. And so we walked in and it was really luxe, really beautiful. And for me, luxe is about time and space, not volume and frenetic. Mm-hmm. And so... Walked in, it was very calm, felt very contained, controlled. And I asked, wow, I was really impressed. And the girl genuinely saw I was impressed. And I said, look, can I ask a massive favor? I'm from Australia, Sydney, and could you perhaps, if I can have someone walk me through the salon, I'd really love to check it out. I'm really impressed with this concept. And the girl went, yeah, for sure. And she got someone, took me through like a 45-minute tour. It's a four-level salon. We were opening cupboards. We were going inside you know, back the staff room, we are going in the new education center and the roof. And I was just amazed at how much time they had for me. Mm-hmm. And on reflection, it was because how much time I had for them. Yep. And how much I was wanting to learn more about their business, genuinely. Mm-hmm. I was asking questions that were obviously appealing because I have a beautiful salon myself. So I understand what they're trying to communicate. I mean, they had fireplaces on every level. They had lounge areas. It was like a first-class lounge. Anyway, ultimately, we came back to the front desk and the lady concluded the tour and said, I hope you're really happy. I was trying to take as much information with me. So I said, look, do you mind if I take these booklets because they were information packs for new clients? Yeah, yeah, for sure. They were beautifully put together. 
Mm-hmm. And I just spontaneously asked the lady, I said, look, would you mind if I perhaps spoke to a manager in the salon? I have a product myself and I could really see my product in this type of salon. This is really the type of salon my product was designed to be in. Mm-hmm. And she went, absolutely. I'll go get the manager. Oh, wow. And about, you know, I don't know, felt like maybe 10 minutes, but it was probably three to five minutes the manager came out because the rep was with me the whole time. Mm-hmm. The rep was like, you know, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, calm down. The manager came out. The manager then took us to the lounge area. We sat down and I explained the product. And then like any industry, there's so many parallels. Two educators that go over to teach from America, one of them is my old apprentice mm-hmm. and another girl was from Australia. And he was like, wow, we're a Red King salon. These people teach us. These are our educators. And I said, wow, he's an old colleague of mine. And then the dots started to join. The connection lines were formed. Mm-hmm. And I then proceeded to show him some short little 90-second videos of what the product can do from a passion and purpose point of view. And then into you know its results. And I looked at the sales rep and I was thinking, why are you not talking? I'm doing all the work myself. <laughs> I was really confused because I was looking mm. at the sales rep thinking, wow, you must be really new. All these thoughts are going through my head. I'm thinking, yep. you must be really new. You mustn't have confidence. And then she opened her mouth and she said, so, say the guy was Mark. She said, so Mark, can you see Dario's product in your salon? And I just looked at her and I went, wow, it speaks and it speaks really well. <laughs> <laughs> and asked good questions, yeah. Yeah, she just asked one question. Yeah. But it was at the right time. Yep. And the guy just went, yeah. And she said, well, Mark, I'd love to set up a time to come back and discuss how we can make that happen. Mm. And I was just gobsmacked. <laughs> and I love being surprised. I mean, we laughed for the next few days mm. about that experience. And I've had lots of experiences like that, mm. where I've walked into salons with the rep without an appointment. Mm-hmm. And the only time I would get knocked back if it was a lower-end salon. Right, okay. For me, I always believe talent recognizes talent. And when you walk into a premium space, mm-hmm. you got to picture yourself walking into Valentino or Louis Vuitton. No one walks in in a rush. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a sense of dignity and patience and yep. charisma. And I find when you have reps coming in with that speedy, I've got to get through my to-do list today. Pedrosas are very sensitive to energy. Mm-hmm. And when you have someone coming in with a forced energy, I understand that the pressures of goals and hit numbers that people have to get the yeah. targets. Well, that's what they're paid to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From my experience, it's really about coming in and connecting and saying, look, I'm in the area. I'd love to set up a time when it's best suited for you. I'll be back in my cycle is this. And please, if, if I don't hear from you, I'll see you next time I'm back in town. That persistence, you know, you're walking to someone's house. And I yes. find that a lot of people, a lot of reps coming in with that sense of entitlement of you need my product, you need me. You automatically get this wall that comes up that the salon's like, no, I love my product, bye-bye. And things get weird really quickly. I want to just come back to where you were in UK because I remember we crossed tracks at a conference up Hayman Island, I think it was that time yes. where we sat wow. down. And I remember 
you showing me a video of some of the footage that you were using to promote some of your work at yes. the time? And I still have such a clear picture of how exquisite the quality was, how super high quality image. And I think I might have even commented to you at the time, I was just like, oh, wow, not only is this been produced really well by someone who knows how to drive a camera, but yes. more importantly, just the whole aura of what you had managed to create, for me, spoke volumes about where you were positioning yourself and your brand. Thank you. And I think some clients and some companies need to take a leaf out of your book there where they come in and claim to be premium, but then the dog-eared brochure comes out, which is just such a contradiction to that image that, you know, that they're trying to project. Yeah, and with hairdressing, motion produces emotion, and that's why video is very important. If we're going into spaces and we're just repeating past experience, it's really about creating a new experience. But, I mean, going back to what you're saying, I'm really grateful that you recognise when we're doing a video shoot, I now video and edit myself because I've learned from, I think we've probably spent about four to $500,000 on video production over the years. And yeah. we've used a great company called Steam. They're based here in the UK. The learnings that I learned through their motion graphics, you know, we did a thing for L'Oreal where we did 22 videos in nine different languages. That was the series that you showed me. Yeah. That was the one, and, yeah. And I even got the motion graphics guy to do the Eiffel Tower with some doves flying around it, just as a, a where's Wally in it. And then <laughs> so we just did something that would just truly be ours. And then the L'Oreal Paris came in and we come up with a whole branding thing for L'Oreal. I can with L'Oreal. It was a positive point. And so anyway, all of that was on the back of having really great content. It's the quality of the work that you create and deliver for me is a complete marriage to your communication, your style, and your integrity about who you are. It's a complete package. Yeah. We try to align our, like even photographers, you know, when I see hairdressers entering competitions and more product companies doing photo shoots, I've always been a consumer-driven person because they're obviously coming into our salons. But I, I see hairdressing companies doing posters that are trying to appeal to other hairdressers. And yep. for me, it should be, about selling that this is what this hairdresser is capable of doing yep. at an aspirational level. Yes. And I find hairdressing imagery is quite depressing. When I say depressing, it's quite cold and it's strong and it's aggressive. It's not appealing to consumers. Consumers, when you think of magazines, I work full-time on doing shoots many years and my yep. is probably the most diverse because it doesn't tell you how to look. So if you're using someone like Andrew O'Toole or if you're using David Goodbur or using Chris Cole, these amazing photographers, they'll elevate your work to a completely new level. Yeah. I suppose it just depends on the type of level you want to get to. But on a premium level, yeah, so from videos to photos, we only work with the best, which comes as a cost. A lot of people go, I don't have the budget, and I go, well, don't do the photo shoot. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all about, you know, if you want to go and buy Rolls Royce, well, you know, you've got to be able to support that. And that's part of the challenge I think a lot of people have is they struggle with their true positioning. Yes. Okay. And sometimes endeavour to be something that they're not or endeavour to say they're A when they're really B for whatever reasons. There's a lot of that, Neil. Like I find there's a lot of the perception and the reality. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think they're better than they are. And mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of blurred lines. But ultimately... 
I'd rather like if this is something directed at a product company mm-hmm. and do fewer things and do it really well instead of trying to keep up with the Joneses. And I remember, you know, like one company come out with a color competition in the 90s to have color, introduce color in the salon. Yep. But they're still doing the same competition today. And so they haven't evolved. And so innovation lies the getting hairdressers excited, getting hairdressers to come with you on that journey versus just following. But I mean, I've got a lot to say in that space because I've been sponsored by a lot of different brands and a lot of it is financially driven and now it's not. Now it's all about connecting with like-minded people and of products that I really love and that coming through in our message. And I just find that companies will will say, look, we want to get into A salons or we want to get into premium salons, but they do everything in their powers from their imagery to their sales staff approach, no training, you know, even getting a voice coach in to teach them how to get rid of nerves is a great tip, a great voice coach for you if you need one. I'm not to recommend that is to some of your clients, but just doing things that focusing on not the best salons, focusing on salons that potentially are working really hard and perhaps taking someone and giving her access to someone that's going to elevate her rather than the company doing it themselves and in turn anchoring into that person's business from a I've earned the right versus you know I tend to have a top line approach rather than a bottom line approach and I think companies always look at the bottom line which actually drives customers away in terms of premium Mm -hmm. the hair house and the price attacks of the world are there to help companies reach their targets and to help consumers get product more accessible but a premium space, it's all about, I know there are some Goldwell clients that will never leave Goldwell because Goldwell helped them early on in their business. Yeah. They're so loyal. And I just find that, you know, potentially getting one or two ambassadors that are really, really what the company stands for mm-hmm. versus getting six ambassadors. Yeah, and- exactly. Yeah. So circling back now, let's come back to your selling at Darlinghurst. I would classify quite a unique business there because you're very clear on what your US, what we call your USP, you know, your unique selling proposition, your uniqueness. It's very clear when you walk into that salon that you're in a different space. How do you preserve that space and what's some of the things that have happened when salespeople have entered that space? Yeah, and particularly this space. We've been there coming up to 20 years. I know from my personal experience how hard it is to, or you can make it, in terms of walking into someone else's lounge room space. Mm. But, you know, it's we're in a lane. The door's always closed. We don't have walk-ins. It's yeah. why I bought the space where it is. It's a destination because we've got a private clientele. We do have reps come in, and it's quite bizarre over the years, Neil. Genuinely, we're really respectful when people come in because, yep. you know, we foster some really great relationships. But when you have people coming in unannounced on a very busy day, and have a dominant energy mm. that I'm in town mm-hmm. and it comes across as, you know, you need to make time to see me. Yep. And from a hairdresser creative, and we're very client-centric, so from our point of view, it's just, you know, we have a protocol where we just say to the rep, can we go outside, here's a card, can you contact us at a more suitable time and we'll set up an appointment. And, you know, the funny thing, Neil, they never call, ever. They never call back. No, sometimes I even find the card on the floor. <laughs> it's really funny. Like when I leave the salon at night, I'll see my business card on the floor. Wow. If that's not one night stand headdressing, I don't know what is. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. And you've even invited them to call you back. 
Absolutely, because you know we're inclusive, so I'm always curious, and my staff were trained to always do this as a process. I've seen it many times, and I'm very proud of when I see it follow through. But I'm really fascinated to always see what's coming out, hear what's coming out, and see what tickles the imagination in terms of innovation. But this one company did it the best, and I'd love to share that with you. Please. We have a double-story salon, so I was working upstairs in the loft, and two people walked in, which was rare to have one person walk in unannounced. We had two. And they asked a question about a product we didn't have. So say, for instance, a person walks in and says, do you have a product that will help my hair grow faster? Instead of just walking in like that, she said, hi, you know, how are you? I'm such and such. They introduced themselves. and said, I'm really looking for a product that will help my hair grow faster. And she walked over to our retail, which is quite deep into our salon space. It was really interesting to watch. She navigated her way confidently into our space and made our staff feel really relaxed, not under pressure, didn't sell anything. And then the staff, I could hear them struggling because we didn't have an answer for that problem. My intuition was telling me that this is a rep. Yeah. And then the lady said, well, I'm from such and such product and that's exactly what our product does. It's at that point I came down the stairs when I heard that she was from a brand. And I said, wow, you've got my attention. Wow. She had researched what we had and what we didn't have. And she came in so friendly and so willing to help us solve a meaningful problem or an invisible problem we didn't know we didn't, we didn't even have. We walked outside because we've got a private space. And I said, look, you've really got my attention. I was just laughing the whole time, curious to see why I was laughing. I said, well, you really did such a beautiful job of getting our attention. And I said, look, she gave me her card. I gave her my card. We caught up a week later because she was from America. She was from head office and she was with the local rep and we caught up. And you know what? I got the product in my salon and it was really interesting. And I was a massive um, advocate for them as a brand because it ultimately comes down to for me trust. Yes. And I felt feeling safe and feeling that this person's here for the long term and relationships. Yeah, and there was something else that for me you're saying very strongly and clearly, and that is that she paid you the respect of doing some research and actually knowing a bit about your business before she even walked in the door. You know, I see some sales reps, oh, look, I was just passing by and I thought I'd pop in. Imagine yeah. meeting your future life partner saying, hey, I was just passing by, you know. Yeah, I was just passing by and you happen to be here and you want to spend the rest of my life with your yeah. life with me. For me, at this at the premium level, it's almost an insult because you've spent so much of your time in your life building who you are and what you stand for without having the energy or the effort to actually pay that some respect and do some homework and get to understand how they may be able to contribute to your journey because that's what I believe good people in that industry do is they look for ways that they can contribute to other people's success. And through that, they become successful. Yes. And some salespeople, they just don't make the effort to do that, mate, as we know. And that's what I think causes that rub, that abrasion. Yeah. And one of the challenges you get at a premium level is that whole cowboy mentality of, or cowgirl, I'm in town or I'm just passing by Mm. versus... I've strategically come out of my way. Look, I remember when I went for a job in New York at five of the best salons and I walked into Bumble and Bumble and I said, look, I've come all the way from Australia for this opportunity. And I'll give you some background. When, from a salon perspective, if you're a 
premium salon. Mm-hmm. You've probably dreamt of this space since you started hairdressing. You've dreamt about how you see it, mm-hmm. what type of place you want to aesthetically create as well yep. as culturally create. Mm-hmm. You know, you've probably put your life savings into this thing or you've mm-hmm. borrowed to the hilt. I mean, I know some salons have invested quite heavily yep. in their spaces. Mm-hmm. And so you might have basins that are worth, like our basins is $7,500 each. We've got three of them. Mm-hmm. And the way we curate our products, it's fairly considered. And then you have someone coming in that doesn't understand or connect on a care or an emotion. And what that lady did when she came in is she wanted to add some value in our business from a, I care as a woman of an age that I'm losing hair. Yep. And I have a wife that at that stage had just, you know, we had just had our second child. So she was losing hair. There was so many connection points to her story. If anyone's listening to this and there are a sales rep, there are some amazing reps out there that I've built lifelong relationships with. Yes. But if you can think that this person's business, everything in it, it's not how we can change their business because that's an insult. That's saying you've got an ugly baby. And, <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of salespeople don't realize, actually, they're not consciously aware of how it comes across. Premium salons are so tuned in and they're on of the language and how they feel. So they want to be treated exactly the same way that they treat their customer. So potentially you research a business and maybe go in there as a client, get your hair done or some goes in there and understands the essence of the business and then be able to talk exactly the same language. There's no walls there. There's only opportunity. Mm. Well, even just the simple question of, you know, getting to know what people are most well known for. I mean, that's a conversation piece in itself, but at the same time to do some research before you go through the door, I mean, that's a tremendous compliment. You just don't go to a good restaurant just because you've heard about it. You're normally going to, you know, get into a conversation about it. You're normally going to do a bit of research. You're going to maybe Google it. This is the thing that we need to communicate, that our industry Many companies at this point believe that our industry is somewhat static, that there's not a lot of growth in there. Well, you and I both know that there's tremendous opportunity for growth in the right part of the marketplace. Yes. And with the right level of support or even taking a salon on and introducing them to a potentially new business concept, for example, not yeah. wanting to change what they're doing, but rather than look at ways that they can add. Yes. And we always like to challenge when people talk about the industry stagnating, the basins that I bought, mm-hmm. again, they're seven and a half thousand dollars each, right? Mm-hmm. And what I find fascinating is when I went to purchase them, I was very lucky that they had three in stock. Immediately after I purchased the three and I put them on hold, this company had genuine buyers that wanted to buy those three. And even though when I had them delivered, the next order, we needed more furniture that we had to order in. And I'm just fascinated that when you think of how much a salon wants to spend to attract the right type of client, product is an extension of what that hairdresser is trying to say. Yes. And really, for me, where a company opportunity to add value is, it shouldn't be about the product. It should be about the story behind. Because ultimately, we're in a product-saturated market, and I find that they have to have a story that cuts through that ultimately will 
excite and energize the hairdresser about why I should change my behavior. And that ultimately comes down to the creative side of hairdressing. Mm-hmm. So not only skill set, but I really believe there's a whole mindset opportunity for companies to elevate hairdressers in language, to help them through the, I think something that you shared with me, which I really connected with, where you were talking about the rejection part. Yep. I really walked away from our meeting going, wow, that is so obvious because no one wants to feel rejected and particularly being a male when you're younger, you get used to it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe some of us more than others. But anyway. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Choosing the right words. <laughs> and so for us, you know, there's so much opportunity in terms of reinventing and rejuvenating the approach. And again, I find it fascinating when, a company will say we're premium and you walk down the road and it's in sweaty betties. And that premium salons really have a zero tolerance to that type of, you've got to be a purist with your approach top down. And, you know, but again, it's ultimately comes about numbers. I know from my own point of view, when I had a product, but it's just positioning and staying true to that positioning and the value every year, innovating. Well, a lot of the companies are international these days, as we know, and you know a lot of those companies have got very, very deep pockets internationally, and meaning they've got large volumes of yes. resources, and that innovation can come through. But mate, look, thank you. Just thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. I mean, in closing, if there is a particular message that you wanted to share with our audience about, you know, the differences that premium businesses look for from companies, I mean, I know you've touched on a lot of those things already, and I really appreciate that. At your level or other salons of your ilk, what do you think they could look for from a product company that could help them grow? Just to follow on from what I was saying before as well, I think the biggest problem is that companies are coming into Australia with international content. And the problem I even found myself when I was sponsored by international brands is that, you know, what works in America doesn't work in Australia. Yeah, you're right really understanding our audience here our audience were more english aligned in terms of the technical mindset but i just found that the biggest challenge i had was being given content from say an american brand and coming to australia and the colors were just not consumer friendly and there were so many challenges and i just felt that it was like why would you do this why would you put all these resources into bringing out something and launching it and having no sustainability other than just getting people excited and I suppose you want to get them excited to use more color. Yes. So having techniques that are so consumer friendly. Going back to your question, I suppose the one thing from a, a premium salon is that, I mean, we're all humans, but like I hold myself to a higher standard mm-hmm. and I expect those around us to do the same if I'm going to partner with them. And when you have relationships that are, you know, you're constantly, like we've got Herexpo coming up and you're seeing brands from a visual point of view, you're reading about brands, everything's about the same message. I just think there's a great opportunity for someone to come up with, and I think it always comes down to training. I'm always big on training because yes. if they put together a program for hairdressers that actually will help them from a, I'm seeing one of the biggest dramatic shifts in our industry, which is a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety And really that stems from that conversation you and I both had about rejection is that if they could work a lot more on mindfulness within the industry and not fluff, just really solid techniques about how to help hairdressers 
I taught a lot about this last year, creating the chemical balance within your self mm. as far as giving yourself lots of oxytocin. And there are tools that you can do to give yourself that yeah. serotonin and dopamine and, and really trying to reduce the levels of cortisol. Finding ways to excite hairdressers to learn more as far as products. So really making the innovation fun. Like my course on the weekend, I can only relate to what we're experiencing. And I had a first year at 18 years old and I had a person of 30 years experience doing a short haircut and they both arrived at the same destination at the end. It's because we have the luxury of time. In a lot of these courses companies do, there seems to be about we're going to give you volume and we're going to give you this but really you don't have the luxury of ensuring that they understand the product, they understand the deliverables in terms of technique. I think from a company perspective, the challenges are um, they've got short-term goals and long-term goals. Mm -hmm. And I think the long-term goals always fail because a lot of these initiatives sort of lasted 12 months and don't get traction and then they get the thrown away. short-term commercial pressure gets in the way of the journey. Yeah. And that, for me, is up to great leadership and having someone with yes. a really strong vision that yes. says, I really would love to give back and potentially try and get to as many TAFEs, not only talk about, but show them how beautiful. I mean, I'm doing this TAFE tour at the moment around the country mm-hmm. and the type of people coming into hairdressing, it's so vast. But mm-hmm. going back to it, if a company can come up with a really innovative way to make education fun, to bring back old school techniques because you know i ask someone to do a flat wrap they go what's that and that's why apprentices or seniors when someone comes in asks for a hair up and they don't know how to do hair up they feel obligated they'll do it but they'll spend an hour and a half doing it commercially won't be viable and their confidence goes and i had a girl on the weekend that wanted to leave she left hairdressing after eight years and she's coming back into it because she lost her confidence Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think it's more of a confidence issue at the moment that comes from the leadership, just like as we look to government for confidence, we look to product confidence. But it's not only just the leadership, it's the consistency of the journey Yes, as well because the consistency is how we build that respect over time. Yes. It's not just a short-term promise. If a company can come up with an innovative way to deliver effective and efficient education, Mm -hmm. really stand by it. We charge for what we deliver and mm-hmm. sometimes i know companies will say oh people won't pay that and i said well they'll pay for great content yeah oh my god i mean i'll fly to london to go work so soon to a seminar yeah and what i won't go to a seminar in australia for 400 dollars or a workshop mm-hmm. and i think if the content's really great and the message is really great it just takes a few seasons for it to build up in terms of culture and, and then the bottom line looks after itself we create what we call momentum. And once momentum starts to occur, you know, things start to self-feed. But it's that respect and that's that continuity which creates that momentum. I wanted just to say a real special thank you for carving out a bit of your time and coming in early this morning to have a chat with me. I really appreciate it. And mate, I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of all of our listeners. You've really shared some tremendous pearls of wisdom there. And I know quite a few people are going to walk away and think about working at the premium role in a different view. So, mate, on behalf of everyone, a huge thank you and thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Get to Yes podcast. If you like what you've heard and found that salon owners' thoughts and opinions are interesting, why don't you take this podcast and share it with a few other team members and have a bit of a chat about some of the things that you can change 
to, well, get to yes more often. So until next time, you can visit me at thesalescatalyst.com.au.